Hello and welcome to episode 284 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak, who you can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew Ferguson. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks, Freak of the League. I, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a great man today. And it, it makes me think about, like, you know, when you you see him these days, and when it, it's Peter Sterling. You see Peter Sterling these days, and he's always, you know, looks great. And yeah. it made me think of, like, another player who just always looked fantastic when you saw him, and it was Ben Kennedy. And it's because they shave their heads. And that's why I shave my balls, and I use Manscaped.com. If you go to Manscaped.com, Sandy, and you want to save 20% off and get free shipping on anything on their website, you use our exclusive code, which is NRL. If you use that code, you can get the Lawnmower 3.0 for 20% off and sent to your door for nothing. That's an amazing deal, especially for something that is so highly functional, you know, and something that is, it's waterproof, it's got a lithium-ion battery, it's got ceramic blade, and you can use it without ever worrying that you're going to accidentally nick yourself or anything because it's got anti-nicking technology. They call it something else. I can't remember what it is, but you won't get cut, your skin, that is, with the Lawnmower 3.0. It's great to use. So, like, it's also got a light on it. How many bull shavers have a light, Andrew? Well, I, I only use one, and it has one. Exactly. Exactly. Does that so mean you could just you could just put it on your keys? So you know you you come home late at night, you can't see the door, you can just put the light on them. Yeah, you just walk around the house. Oh, there it is, shining the light, and everyone's eyes buzzing, something in your hand. <laughs> that wouldn't be weird at all. <laughs> Not at all. There's another blackout. Oh no! <laughs> Here comes that buzzing light. Quick, where's my ball shaver? <laughs> That's another good idea, actually. You get a blackout and you reach for the for the lawnmower 3.0. What we're saying is the lawnmower 3.0 is going to fix all of your problems. So go there, manscaped.com. Get the yeah. code in there, NRL, 20% off, free shipping. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee, but you won't need it because you are going to love everything you buy off their website. Absolutely. And this does raise one small question for me, and that is, uh, well, actually, I should say two Big questions. Yes. Do you name your testicles Sterlo and BK? <laughs> no. Oh. I call them Peter Sterling and Benjamin Kennedy. Okay. Very formal. Do they have a title like Sir or Master? No, no. No, no. Okay. No. Not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not silly about it. Exactly. I, I saved the title for uh, for my old Paul Langmac. Well, <laughs> as you do. As you do. I bet that goes around flipping some burgers too. <laughs> oh, jeez. Can we move on before I start say something terrible? Let's do that. Let's do okay. that. So today we're going to um, we're going to answer all of your emails because we've had a heap of them come in. Yeah, it's been really good. We've asked for emails and you have obliged. And we've never had this many emails. So it's, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Yeah, let's rip in. Okay, so the first one that we have is from Terry. He sent it to my website, actually, but it's about the podcast as well. Good on you, Tezza. 
He has, the subject is rugby in the USA, and he says the comment, two questions. Number one, why doesn't the NRL stream games in the USA? Easy way to promote the game and get interest. People from all over the world watch shitty British soccer, so I'm sure, I'm sure that you would get Americans who are only familiar with shitty union on board with league. And his second thing is, could you add more information to your website? Question mark. Um, I can do that. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say with the first one, I believe, I don't know if it's still the case or not. Fox, Fox sports in the U S would used to show rugby league. It's been on a few channels there. Mm -hmm. Um, As for the NRL streaming, NRL doesn't even stream rugby league in Australia anymore. They stopped doing that this for this season. Well, look, I, 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 listened to a podcast the other day and they were talking about, remember the WWE set up its own WWE network? Yes. And it started online streaming with that. Yep. And how just not too long ago, they pivoted away from that and sold the rights on to another corporation. I can't remember who it was, the corporation that they sold it to, but it was one of the big media outlets in the US. Probably Disney. If probably they own everything else. Yeah. Um, and how that seems to be the way to go at the moment, especially because all of these streaming companies, they have the set-up infrastructure to stream the games, and you don't have to worry about, like, the feeds cutting out or anything. You let somebody else worry about that while they pay you money. Um, so, I like, maybe the NRL taking that, that decision to give their streaming to KO Sports in Australia in particular is a good way to go. But I think the thing that they've not been great with is giving people overseas a rock-solid outlet where they know that they can get rugby league from. And it's something that I I don't know that the NRL puts much value into because they don't get much value back from it. But because they're the, the market leader and they're really the shop front for rugby league in a lot of ways the game kind of needs them to do that. Yeah. Um, how you... The problem with, with the US market is, you know, their, their NBA season, for example, it's long and they play games pretty much every single day. Yeah. And not just at night either. It's sort of, you know, a few in the afternoon, a few at, and a lot of them at night. But, you know, they, they take up a lot of time slots with that. And when the NBA's not being played, the NFL's on. Um, So those two games dominate US uh, screen time so much. I don't know where Rugby League would be able to, you know, fit in in with all of that at a time which is watchable for a lot of fans. It's going to have to be something replayed somewhere. And um, there's no way now in the NRL could afford to pay for it to be shown in any time remotely close to you know, the time when people are going to be sitting down at home watching television. Yeah. So I don't know how they get around that. See, I I was always interested in the NBL looked at streaming a game or two every round on Twitch because yeah. it, it, it was a very different market to be aiming for, you know. Um, I If I was the NRL, I would say it would be great to have one game a week that is streamed on YouTube but to only certain markets. Now, <clears throat> any broadcaster in Australia that has the rights to stream online is not going to like that. But I think it would be a really cool thing to have 
for rugby league because everyone can go on YouTube. I mean, you can get it on your TV. And I, I just think it would be a good thing for rugby league to have something like that set up. Yeah. You know, it would be even better is if the International Rugby League had that facility. Yeah. Because, so they could actually show not just NRL games, but Super League games, Championship, League One, New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup, games from other nationalities. You know, like France have got a few competitions, the Elite One comp. If they could show all those sort of games through some sort of platform, mm-hmm. I think that would be a brilliant idea as well. Yeah, it would be. And, you know, you and me have had evenings where we've sat down and said, all right, let's, you know, we're up at 2.30 in the morning. Let's watch this international game. And it's sometimes taken us up to an hour to find where to watch it. And we're watching it, you know, on a Facebook page or something weird like that. Yeah. You know, if it could all be in the one place, it would be so helpful to the game. And these aren't games that, like, broadcasters are going to lose money on. These are games that in most you know, circumstances, nobody's showing them. So it would be great if the International Rugby League sort of took a lead in that area and said, look, you can get all of these games on our website. Yeah, and, I mean, they should have more live on the website and then once they're live, Mm -hmm. upload them onto YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the best way to go about it. YouTube's the, the perfect medium here because that is global. Yeah. That would be the way to do it. You know, you're not going to have the feed drop out because YouTube hasn't got the capacity or something like that. And, you know, you can watch replays of it. I think you and me have even watched, you know, replays of some games as well. So, Mm. um, yeah, I I would like to see the International Rugby League do that for sure. Yeah, I mean, and let's be honest, the only way you're going to get expansion globally is if you're broadcasting the best possible product. Yeah to get, you know, eyes on the game. And that's the only way to do it, is get the NRL everywhere. Um, you know, it's... The NRL is very good at expanding into new markets as well when they're committed to it and they put into it, like they did with the uh, the Pacific Islands. Yeah. Um, so there's no reason why the US couldn't be a good market either. You've got all those NFL players there. I mean, you know, half the, half the work's done. They just need to be taught the new rules and obviously learn a bit of endurance because, you know, you've got to play for a bit more than seven minutes and then have a 20-minute break. So, you know, you've got to fix that up. <laughs> seven know. minutes is really generous. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, know. I didn't want, want to seem a bit too facetious. <laughs> <laughs> um, Terry says he loves the podcast. So thank you so much, Terry. Um, we hope we've answered your question. The next one is from PK, who writes us, Massive, massive emails. Is this Paul Kent? No, no, it's not Paul Kent. Uh, He doesn't know what emails are. He doesn't. I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) (laughs) He says, hey, guys. So he's too friendly straight away. Oh, yeah, straight away. Yeah. Um, He says, it's been a while, but had to write some words. I would like to hear your thoughts on PVL, which is Peter Volandis. I'm worried with where the game is heading under his direction. Apart from the May 28th start, all his other decisions have been terrible. Also, let's not forget, his May 28th start has now been made redundant as nine completely played him in gaining a fair to large discount for not just uh, 2020, but for some reason, 2021 and 2022. 
Um, he then says that they there was probably a push to get Greenberg out of there. Um, he's worried about, you know, just like he's he's a quote that he says this PK. Um, He's a puppet to the broadcasters and is killing the fabric of the game to please this minority who only thinks about themselves being the broadcasters. If you look at his history, his greatest success is is in dealing with governments. Let me tell you, there's a big difference among renegotiating with top CEOs of billion-dollar companies versus Aussie politicians. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Um, He said... So he would like to see a little bit of a mix-up with the way that the game is run. So he says a simple formula for the current positions on the ARLC board. Peter Valandis is the chairman, so he can focus on long-term strategy of the game uh, and subverting uh, the new Sydney stadiums and expansion and stuff like that. And then you would have Andrew Abdo, who as a CEO would focus on the day-to-day running of the game, uh, creating organization structure and stuff like that, <clears throat> which is how it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is the thing. Everyone sort of hangs their hat on, you know, the, the Volandi supporters, they hang their hat on the fact that he got the game going early as if that was some immense feat. Yeah. And no, no doubt it's, it's an achievement that he produced, but it's not like it was something that was impossible. Because a lot yeah. of people sit there and they will mock other businesses. I mean, even Rugby Union got a competition up and running and look how horrible they're run. So it's not like getting the game up and running again was that difficult a task. It was always going to happen. If mm-hmm. Greenberg was still in place, the game would have got going again anyway. All Flanders did was got it going a week or two earlier than everybody else. Is that really enough to be hanging your hat on? And look at everything else he's done. I mean, some of the rule changes, they, especially this year, they, they're going to make the game a little bit more, maybe, maybe faster moving, but at the same time a bit more dull and predictable. Yeah. Um, the two-point two field, field goal. Like, what the fuck is that? Who asked for that? Like, that's on the back of the 2040 kick that no one attempted. Yeah. And no one asked for once again. What the fuck is the shit? Yeah. And these are the ideas. And let's be honest. These are the ideas that come from people sitting at a pub drinking until they're fucking shit-faced. <laughs> oh, yeah. I reckon you get two points from a few guys if you kick it from a long way out. And goes, fuck, that's genius. Write that one down. We'll put that one in. And that's pretty much what happens. They're so stupid. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I hate the rule changes. And that's the other thing. Why are we having constant rule changes? We don't need them. If you look at the rule change, and we've done episodes of rule changes, and, like, I think the last episode we did on rule changes was at the end of 2019. We could probably do another two hours on rule <laughs> changes since then. And, like, not even joking, though. No. Um, and and they barely just any seem- of them are good. No, no, like there's none of them that you look at and you're like, wow, that's fantastic. That really made things awesome. Um, and, and like, I mean, the, the 2041 is the classic example. And this two-point field goal, I don't know where it's come from. 
and it that's the problem it seems like it's one of those rule changes that's a bit of a whim for somebody and the only body that has the only person that really has the power to do that is peter valandis mm. so you know that that's a that is a worry and i said i think i would love to have a dictator that's in charge of rugby league somebody that makes a rugby league uh somebody that that you know gets things done and this is what you end up with unfortunately and it's you know careful what you wish for scenario i guess yeah i think the the perfect boss that we you know that rugby league needed was probably um Thank dave you, smith Patricia. oh yeah. I thought you were going to say me. No, no, no. You're above that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I agree with you. I think Dave Smith was, you know, he had a lot of critics, but... He made he, it a business. He did, and he had a, a completely different outlook on it. I think the only area he was maybe let down on a little bit was that rugby league people, and this happens from time to time, people within the game that he trusted to do the the rugby league side of it, they can let you down when you don't have the rugby league background. Yeah. And But that's the only thing you can say bad about him. I mean, all of his other ideas were fantastic. Yeah, he, he dragged the game kicking and screaming into, you know, a professional business, mm-hmm. which is long overdue. It was. Um, yeah. I don't know. See, my my... I guess somewhat animosity towards Peter Valentis came not because of anything he did, mm-hmm. but because the media were just kissing his ass so fucking hard, and they still are. And when when the mainstream media is that pro someone, there's something wrong. Yeah, and and especially when one of the big first moves that he makes is to then give them all a discount. Yes, yes, exactly right. He's done them all a favour. Yeah. Um, the other problem, too, with all these rule changes he's brought in, along with the dicking of a referee, is he's now made referees' jobs even harder. Mm-hmm. And with a faster ruck, it gets even harder again. Mm-hmm. Um, this set restart thing, it's not helping. It's not helping. It's, no. And now we don't have scrums when the ball goes out for for some certain things. It's just this idea that the game has to keep flowing all the time. I don't know. You see, this thing, we had a perfect balance. Like 2016, 17, 18, even 2019, we had that perfect balance. The rules mm-hmm. were pretty much where they needed to be. They didn't need rejigging. No. Everything was fine. We had a really good balance between defense and attack. Um, and by 2018 or 2019, I think the average margin was the smallest that had been for decades. So the games are actually getting closer, which means you're getting more uncertainty in the games. And that's what you want because less certainty means more eyeballs on the game. You never know when your team might win. And then last year with all of the rule changes, we saw the average margin blow out again. You know, more tries being scored. Apparently, that's what people want to see mm. is lots of points being scored. And my counter to that is Rugby Union has a lot of points being scored. Look at how many yeah. eyeballs are on that at the moment. It's yeah. not it's not the scoreline people are looking at. It's the contest. 
And if you've got a close contest, people will stay and watch it. That That's all there is to it. And he's taking the contest out of it purely just so he can get heaps of tries. I, I mm. don't get that. And I think that there's a real danger of rugby league. You, you know, I remember thinking about this a few years ago, like what, what is it about certain sports that, you know, makes them unique and, and different. And, you know, one of the things about rugby union and, and look, you and me both think it's a, a garbage game, but there are nuances to rugby union's rules that you can disagree with, but they are there. And, you know, the thing about rugby league is we got rid of a lot of the stupid rules that were rugby union rules. And we, we, you know, scaled the game down so that it become a contest <clears throat> of field position. Not so much of these days since they got rid of striking in the ruck, but of possession. And we, we really scaled it down to the essence of what you wanted out of a sport like a rugby overall in terms of you wanted there to be defense but you also wanted to see the ball move around a bit you wanted to see some points being scored you didn't want to see it being bogged down in all of the pedantic rules and stuff like that if you go too far with rugby league what you end up with is almost like a it's almost like a game of touch football in terms of it is it is paired back so far that it almost becomes a training exercise or a, a training game where, you know, you, you haven't got any nuance to the game. And that's that's something I'm worried about with rugby league because, you know, scrums are weird. Scrums are a thing of the past, but they are part of our game. Um, there's all sorts of weird little rules that I don't think we should be getting rid of just because of progress or just because of, you know, we want to see the game speed up because, you know, some of the best games have been six all draws. You know, some of the, no one watches State of Origin because they say, oh, they're going to score a heap of points. They watch it because it's always going to be a really good contest. Yep. So I, I do worry that you get rid of so many rules where you just watch it and it's like this training exercise and we see who's better at, you know, doing this training exercise every single year. I, I worry about that. And, you know, rugby league, because it has got rid of so many pedantic rules, needs to be careful that it doesn't go too far. And there's another issue too, and that is if the game keeps going flat out fast. Mm-hmm you do run the risk of players getting injured more frequently, more severely. You also run the risk of a lot more high-impact collisions, a lot more concussions. And when you don't get a chance to have as many breaks, there's less chance for a trainer to get out there to assess what's going on. And that's the next thing, is that if if your focus is on trying to stop the stoppages, then you're pretty much putting players at risk. And yeah, that's stupid. And the other thing is too, like you and me grew up watching Ricky Stewart stop a game when he wanted to through his his yeah. ability to kick downfield and he would get field position straight away and stop the game. You know, and everyone would have to walk downfield because Ricky Stewart had that skill level. That's part of rugby league as well. You know, that should be part of the game. 
How many times have we seen great halfbacks who the game is going against them and they put a kick downfield and find touch down in the opposition's 20? And you're like, man, he just got them out of trouble immediately. That's part of rugby league as well. Yep. I fully agree. Um, yeah. I, I hate the constant changes to the rules, especially when most of them, you know, even in the last 10 years, the majority of them have been stupid ideas. Mm-hmm. Only a small few of them have been good ones. Yeah. And most of the good ones have been discarded under Peter Volandis. Mm. In in return we've got we've we've got a game which is harder to officiate. And I wouldn't be surprised with um how fast the game is expected to be yeah. that there start to be calls for the number of interchanges to increase. And you know what comes after that. Yeah. What we had in early two thousands, we're gonna get that again. Which was horrible. It was horrible. Shit. You might as well just watch Super League again. Yeah. Um, Moving on. Our next email is from Tigers Man, one of your people. Uh, He says... Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bastard. Let me get in the zone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get in the fetal position and then I'll... Yeah. (laughs) He says, hello, fellas. I've got a random question, but interested to hear your answers. As a 22-year-old, seeing these young kids coming through and do well for themselves, signing huge deals and having the dream job, I thought to myself, fuck, they are younger than me. Who was the first player you thought to yourself, they are younger than me, what the fuck am I doing with myself? <laughs> Lots of love. Tigers man, kiss, kiss, kiss. Uh, Paul Gallen. Paul Gallen, really? You know- you know why, though? Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but for, for a lot of players, I never thought about the fact they were younger than me. Mm-hmm. But Paul Gallon, I looked at him and went, he just looks old. Like, he's, he's, let's be honest, you put all the controversy aside, he, he's always done a lot of the hard yakker in the middle, mm-hmm. and he's copped a fair few shots around the head. I mean, someone who goes around as aggressive as he is, that's bound to happen, especially mm-hmm. when he's not that tall. Mm. Um. So he's been belted around like you wouldn't believe him. You look at him, you just go, man, he looks like an old man. And when you know that he's played for, was it, 18 straight seasons, mm-hmm. he's just been in your life as a player, you know, sorry, as a fan for so fucking long. And you look at him and go, man, he he should be older than me. And you go, holy fuck, he's younger than me. Yeah. He's not even, I don't even think he's turned 40 yet. No, I think, what would he be, 38, something like that? Yeah. So, I'm like, Fuck. I'm trying to... I can't He's say the that, that I... He's the one that stands out that I sort of first went... You know, and as I said, it was a while ago, but he's the one that just... I just look at him and go, for, for me, for some reason, he just seems like he's older than he really is. Yeah. I know what you mean. He is always that. It's weird how some players, like, they've always had an old head on their shoulders. Yeah. Um, And he's definitely one of them. Um, I, I can't say that there was ever one player that stood out for me that was like that. Um, I do find it weird when you see players that were born in like 2001 or something like that. And you're like, that doesn't even make sense. 2001 was like three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, that I always find that a little bit strange. Um, but well, yeah, the thing, was... I mean, we're talking to a bloke here who's, what do you say? was 22. Yeah. He's never seen Balmain or the Magpies play. 
he wasn't alive when and this is another one like who wasn't alive when Newcastle won their first premiership like oh, what half, even is that half their players <laughs> yeah the that's the crazy thing it, it's nuts yeah it's like uh when I was talking to, to Jessica Dunn uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago now, and I was talking to her about the Knights because she's a Knight supporter, and she was saying how young she was, and like I think she said she was six when they won their second premiership, and it was it was so strange because it's like I, I, it'd be hard to imagine being a Newcastle fan having not live through the 97 premiership yeah then i mean the 97 one is the one that stands out for me the two 2000 and was it one one yeah hey that was just a yeah the 97 one was so symbolic and so important yeah um and so massive for newcastle it shattered it put it cast a big shadow over 2001 it was just it dwarfed it it really did. It, yeah. You know, I had to say it had to be there, but it, it was absolutely massive. And the only one I can really say that it lined up with was when Penrith won their first premiership, where it's like this rugby league mad area mm. got the ultimate title. But, you know, for Newcastle, they that area had gone through earthquakes a number of years ago and uh, before that premiership and stuff. So it, it probably meant more to them. Yes. Um, I do have the list of current Knights players yeah. who weren't even born for their first premiership. Mm-hmm. Caelan Ponga, uh, Brody Jones, Basami Solo, Gahamat Shibasaki, Anari Tuala, Tex Hoy, Stafford Toa, Phoenix Crossland, Bradman Bess. Wow. <laughs> Sione Mataria was one, I think. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. He was one. Connor Watson was one. Jacob Saifidi and Daniel Saifidi were one. Jaden Braley and Chris Randall were also one. It's it, um The it's weird not. thing for me is like thinking about the Panthers two thousand and three premiership, which I still feel like is it's still close enough that it's like I've still got that premiership high. <laughs> <laughs> and it was eighteen years ago. <laughs> It could vote. You've only got that, though, because your team's back being competitive again. See, I, I can't fall back on 2005 anymore. <laughs> I stopped doing that at two, at 2010 because we made the finals there. It's like, right, next premiership window, we move on from here. And 2012 was supposed to be the year, and shit hit the fan, and it's been in the fan ever since. <laughs> you, you know, the other weird thing for me is thinking about certain clubs that growing up were part of the furniture of rugby league. And then I think back like the Illawarra Steelers didn't exist as long as it's been since the Panthers won their last premiership in 2003. Yeah. Like that, that doesn't, even when I say that and I know that and I look at how it works out in my brain, it still doesn't line up. <laughs> It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it really, really is. It's like when we talk about the West Tigers. And, you know, they've been around now for 20 years. That just doesn't make sense. Like, that's a... When you're growing up as a kid, like, if a club had been around for 20 years, it had been around forever. Yeah, that's right. 
That's nuts. So thanks, Tigers, man. I hated all of that. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to say thanks, too, for not making me, you know, go on a rant about the West Tigers and how shit they've been. That, that yeah, was a good change. That's good, yeah. It's expected uh, the worst there. <laughs> the next email is from Tom. And he says the subject is NRL fans are unbearable. That's great. He says, comment, all right, gents, what is the problem with NRL fans on Instagram and Twitter? Not the fact that they give each other banter, which is which I'm all for, but you can say one constructive thing in an Instagram comment and the constant go-to answer is, well, how many NRL games have you played? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I hate that it, argument. It's just boring, and that's all I ever seem to see. And then he says, I know Freaky is a wind-up merchant on Twitter. What? He's, uh, he says, I hope you're not banned again. But there's a difference with having a joke and trying to have a discussion. Well, you would say that, Tom. How many games have you played? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, look. That that whole how many games have you played thing mm-hmm. is utterly stupid. Yeah. Because it says that um, until you've been in someone's shoes, you can't have an opinion about them. And that's entirely wrong. Mm. We have an elections based on, you know, who we should declare as prime minister, yet, you know, 99.99% of us have never been prime minister. Exactly. The fuck? You know... So, the- I remember it, it's a stupid fucking fallback. I hate that argument. So do I. I. I remember when I used to go on the English forums a number of years ago and having like lower grade English players say, "Oh, I bet you don't even play the game." And I used to have to point out to them that over here we would call them park footballers, and they never used to like that. <laughs> That's what your response should have been, though. Was yeah, I've played park footy. Well, I did. <laughs> like, that was the problem. Um, yeah, that that sort of thing. But he's right. Like, there are a lot of... I, and I don't have Instagram. So I see Twitter a little bit. And I'm lucky because the fo- people I follow aren't like it. But when I venture into, like, what I don't follow, and NRL fans on Twitter just seem like insufferable pricks. Some of them are. I find... Um... I must admit, I've never come across anyone like, as a genuine general fan who's mm. ever pulled that line out. The only person that's ever pulled that line out, in my experience, was Phil Gould. And when I called him up on it, he blocked me. <laughs> and then, you know, created 37 new accounts to whatever he's got now. You should have asked if he'd ever played the game when they'd had colour TV. <laughs> no, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but... Um, Someone was criticising Lewis Brown yep, when he, yep. just before he retired. And Gus came, chimed in and said, you know, explained, you know, how he played so many NRL games and played these number of test matches for New Zealand and said, you know, how many games have you played? Mm. And I responded back to him and said, well, it doesn't really work that way, Gus, because, I mean, you sit there and criticise referees every day of the week. How many games have you refereed? Mm-hmm. I got blocked for that. Yeah, that that doesn't feel like Phil Gould at all, does it? No, no, no. I mean, it's just you know, <laughs> fancy pointing out someone's hypocrisy and they get the shits over it. There yeah. you go. Man, it's 
like it, it's a weird thing to fall back on. How many games have you played? Um, I talked to. It, it's a stupid defensive um, flex, if anything. Yeah. Um, to avoid having an actual serious conversation, and the people who pull out that line don't tend to be intelligent enough to actually have the serious conversation that you want with them. True. And the other thing is too, like I, I've talked to so many people that have literally never walked onto a footy field in any capacity, whether it be just for a fun game, a touch footy or anything. And that's cool. <laughs> like it doesn't make their opinions any, you know, of less value than anybody that's played the game. It's, some of the, the greatest players in the history of the game are the, have the dumbest fucking ideas about rugby league. Yeah. They really do. So, you know, you don't have to have played the game to qualify to have an opinion about it, that's for sure. No, that's right. I mean, Phil Rothfield. Yes. Um, Peter Bedell. Yes. I, I couldn't imagine he could have ever played a game. Paul Kent played four minutes. Paul Kent's, um, <laughs> oddly enough, mm-hmm. he was actually quite a quite a handy halfback in the lower grades, in reserve mm-hmm. grades. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably would have played more first grade games if he didn't go to Parramatta when they had Peter Sterling there. Yeah. But there you go. He wasn't too bad, though, apparently. You, I just wish that, you know, if he had been as you know handy as he was, a lot of people suggest he was, Mm-hmm. that he uses that knowledge a bit more in his commentary. That would be nice to see. This actually brings up an interesting thing because Cooper Cronk was really critical of Adam Reynolds a few days ago. And he said basically that he doesn't think South's in the wrong for not signing, re-signing Adam Reynolds on a big deal just yet. And he basically said Adam Reynolds, and I'm very much paraphrasing here, but he said basically that Adam Reynolds had lost a bunch of qualifying finals to get into the grand final. And when you look at his record, maybe he's not worth the amount of money that Adam Reynolds believes he's worth. And Adam Reynolds struck back at him pretty hard. It was reading the quote, so fantastic. Um, But it, it makes you think about people that have played the game. A lot of the time they speak differently about the game because they've got shared experiences with the people that have played at a higher level. And so that's why you don't tend to see too many former players really getting stuck into an, a, a current player because they know what that's like, right? Yeah. And I've seen people saying, well, we need more of it. We need you know, to see more former players getting stuck in and, and not having this... Um, or this thing where they're not going to really go after current players. I don't know where I really stand with that because I want people to be true to themselves. Like, I don't want to see a, a person go out and, you know, a former player and be like, oh, well, I'm going to get stuck into everyone because that's what everyone wants to hear. I want them to give their honest opinions. And, like, I thought it was really harsh what Cooper Cronk said, but if he thinks that, you know, that's up to him. And I thought Adam Reynolds' reply was really good as well. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I've been seeing a little bit of that debate recently, and I think it's an interesting one, but, you know, you don't have to all play the game to have those opinions either. That's exactly right. James Hooper. No yes. chance he ever played a game. No. No way. 
I mean, I don't even know if he's actually watched a game yet. <laughs> some of them you wonder if they've watched games. <laughs> I mean, you must watch some footy to blog about it, hey? Well, I think someone does a lot of that for him. Yeah, and he does. He's not, he doesn't actually blog about the game. He blogs about the cars people drive. Would it be a ghost blogger? Oh, it might be a ghost. Yeah. No, like you know, a ghost rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a ghost blogger. Yeah. It could also be just a ghost. <laughs> could yeah. Um. Okay, so we've got one here from Nathan. Nathan sent this through the website. He said somebody at the rugby football league has put a two has put a two-hour loop video of old click and kick and clap rugby union clips just when you thought we couldn't get any dumber over here. It's oh. been up nearly 24 hours now and still hasn't been taken down. I don't know if they've been hacked or if it's if it's in what intentional, but uh, I thought he said international, uh, intentional, but either way, it is a mess. So, and he's put the link, I won't go to the link just yet. Oh, I'm gonna have to, aren't I? You I'll, will, I'll go, I'll go to the link after I maybe, have. maybe this is a ploy. They you just say, Oh, look where we do this. Uh, this, say, let's see, they're, they're trying to, um, they're trying to white hand rugby union by making people think that rugby league in England is rugby union. Possibly. All the, all the fans click on it and go, this is rugby league. I don't want to put money in that. <laughs> so when I go to the link he provided, it says it's a private video, so they must have set it to private. Uh, but that the... is, it is pretty funny, eh? <laughs> oh. anyway. you know, no, nothing surprises me when it comes to the English game and bungles. I know, right? Like... They probably couldn't afford to actually hire the right person to do the job, so they just got some <laughs> seven-year-old to do it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if these people don't make any money. Because you know how rugby league works over there. It's like, oh, I I have enough to make myself money, but I don't actually have any money to pay you to do this job. So you've yeah. just got to do it for your love of the game and the opportunity it will afford you. Yeah. And then they go, oh, look, some more money's coming to the game. Well, I need to take that, so I still don't have enough money to pay you. Yeah, yeah. How exactly. much was... Wasn't bloody Elstone on an absolute packet and a half? I've heard that. I've heard yeah. that. I've heard that some of the payouts for former administrators are outrageous. The game's sitting um, there struggling and dying on its ass, and these blokes just swan in, take a massive pay packet, and put the game further and further behind every time. Oh, and the other thing is too, like when they do deals that are absolutely, you know, a, a small percentage of where the game used to be earning money, they don't take pay cuts because of it. Nope. Their, their pay always stays the exact same at the very least, Yeah. but everyone else has to take a pay cut, or in That's some right. cases, just be laid off. Yeah. Every single player's had to take pay cuts over there. They've reduced the minimum wage to basically, you know, poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elston could still waltz away with a fucking shit ton of coins. Yeah, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Hateful. Uh, now, the last one we have, a very important one. It's from Nadine. Oh, dear. What By have we the done? Way, I, I, I love the way everyone starts these emails differently. So if you send an email, come up with the most creative like intro, okay? Because these intros have been great. She says, hey, it's the boss here. <laughs> Thought I would try out. Thought I would try out the contact us feature on the website. 
It works. Now to, now to the serious stuff. There's been a lot of talk in recent days about whether Joseph Suwali should be allowed to play before he turns 18. What are your thoughts on this? If dispensation is provided, will this set a dangerous precedent despite the NRL being on the record as saying they will review matters such as this on a case-by-case basis? Additionally, a listener to Breakfast with Vossi raised an interesting point regarding alcohol and betting agency sponsorships, whether these would need to be removed slash covered up should Suwali be allowed to play before turning 18. Secondly... What are your thoughts on continually taking one of our flagship events, in this case, an Origin game, to markets where it's obvious the NRL will not be expanding? I have a hard time believing the media partners are driving the decision. Uh, I know the hosting city throws truckloads of cash at the NRL for the privilege of hosting the game, but surely the gimmick of taking games to Perth and Adelaide is beginning to wear thin. Anyway, keep up the great work. And where are the where are the tipping comp details promised in the last three episodes? I didn't realise we promised them so much. Okay, let me get the tipping comp. By the way, let me get the tip. So if you go to our Twitter page, we've posted it a number of times. Okay. Yeah. So there's a code, and it's for the NRL tipping website. So if you write down this code and it's all capitals, and you go on the NRL's tipping competition, and you'll be able to find the competition with this code. Okay, are you ready? The code is Z-E-L-M-K-F-R-V. And if you put that in, you'll be able to find the tipping competition for Fergo and the Freak on the NRL's tipping website. I'd like to apologise for my uh, American co-host. That first letter is Z. It's Z. <laughs> Z. It's Z. How dare Z. you? Z's American. Come on. I'm a man of the world. You know that. <laughs> I'm a man of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I don't think with the sponsorship thing that they'll need to cover anything up. Um, I understand the, the reason... They're saying behind that, but if we're honest, um, kids are exposed to that advertising from a much younger age than 17. And I dare say I'd be surprised if there's 17-year-olds out there that haven't drank alcohol yet. I mean, I'd probably be the only one. Um, Have you – how many – like, you've drank alcohol in some capacity, haven't you? What, medicine? Seriously, you've never had a sip of alcohol? No. Wow, that's incredible. Not even a glass of wine. No. Wow. Okay. No. I've eaten grapes. <laughs> <laughs> I've eaten potatoes with the peel on. I mean, that's as close as I'm going to get, I guess. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> but um, you'd have to eat a shitload of potatoes with the peel on to get. Yeah, drunk. that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, with Suwali, I. I don't think the NRL should allow him to play until he's turned 18, which would be the 1st of August this year. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, he's a fullback. It's not like the uh, Roosters are going to be struggling to find a fullback if Tedesco gets injured. Did yeah. Oh, look, Joey I, Mardu fill in there like an absolute beast. So, you know, they're fine. I agree with you. We, we talked about this in the last episode a little bit. He isn't the 
same uh, frame as a lot of players that have played before. They were 18. They brought in this rule for a reason, and I think that the first time the rule comes up to break it for a player, I, I agree with Nadine, it sets a really dangerous precedent. Like, you know, if the rules are there, why are they there? You know, and I, I just think that, you know, 18, he's got so much of his career ahead of him. There's no need. He's got the money. He's got the cash now. There's yeah. no need to rush him. That's right. I mean, there's one question, which is, if you know, I, I think the alcohol sponsoring one is a little bit pedantic of a question. Mm. But I've got another one, which is just as pedantic, and that is, will every single NRL, if he plays yeah. at the age of 17, will every single NRL player who plays with and against him have to get a working with children check? That's a really good question. That's, and you know some of them wouldn't pass that check. Like, let's be honest. So it's, it's um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty stupid to, to be letting anyone under the age of 18 um, play first grade. There's enough it, grades for him to play in to hone his skills before he makes it into the top grade. And I don't but, see yeah. how anyone's going to need a 17-year-old, no matter how good they are, to be playing for them. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, I, I can see the argument of he needs a higher level of competition. It, but as you say, the the grades are there. Like, he can play against grown men in the lower grades. Mm. And, you know, yeah, he could get possibly get injured at that level and stuff. The NRL is a different animal. You know, it's a, it's a completely different animal. And I... You know, some players at a young age, they honestly can do it. Like uh, Jason Tamalolo did it, you know, but he, like, look at him now even. Like, he had the frame to do it. Mm. Um, Chris Lawrence was another one. Yeah, yeah. Just And some some people are physically ready to play first grade. Yeah. Not everyone is, and that's why they brought the rule in. Yeah, I mean, a classic example. I mean, look at Benji Marshall brought into the game at the age of 18. Mm-hmm. And how often did we see his his shoulders um, constantly get injured in those first five years? Yeah, just... and and once he had physically developed and his frame had filled out, those those issues stopped. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's I I also think there's too much too much hype around this kid because let's be honest, the majority of fans who are talking about him and talking him up as being, you know, possibly playing NRL, have not seen him play a single second of footy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only seen a few highlights of him. And, yeah, he looks very impressive. And, yeah, he's going to be a good NRL player. I've got no doubt about that. But um, that Roosters backline just doesn't need him right now. You've got Brett and Josh Morris. You've got Joey Manu, um, James Tedesco. Yeah. What do, you, what do you need a 17-year-old for? Yeah, and I, I think Daniel that... Daniel Tupo, sorry, there's another one. Yep, and I, I think that if you're looking at him as a, a long-term player, you know, and you feel like you've hit a home run with getting this young man into your team, into your system, and he's going to be a superstar in 12 years from now even, you then have an opportunity to... You know, he's under contract. He's not worrying about his money anymore. You've got an opportunity to say, let's do this right. 
Let's make sure that when you make your first grade debut, you're really ready. Let's make sure that you're not overawed by the situation. Let's make sure you're physically ready for what you're going to go through as a player. They don't need to rush him. They just don't need to. So no. I, I hope that they, they, I just hope that they do the right thing by him because on top of all of this stuff about the game's physicality and all that, you know, then there's all of the the non-rugby league stuff, like the spotlight that he'll be under. The fact that, you know, he's he's get talked about already in the media and stuff like that, but once he runs out in an NRL field, it's going to be a completely different animal. And he won't be able to be a 17-year-old kid anymore. He's going to be a star that won't be able to do a lot of things that a 17-year-old kid wants to go out and do. That's right. Um, and it's we're talking about a five month wait. Yeah, and seriously, just just wait it out. Now the interesting thing is, um, I think I said before in the last episode, he is born in Penrith. Mm-hmm. The first game that he can possibly play for the Roosters at the age of eighteen is against Penrith in round twenty one. Oh, that would be amazing! Wow. wow. <laughs> so that, that would be so cool. I, th- like that's that's got to be better for him, surely. Absolutely. You know, and, and that, that's, well, that's mean, him playing at the earliest possible time that they could under the current rules. He might not be ready until he's 20. And even then, he's a 20-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, that's August 7th, uh, Roosters Penrose. That's six days after he turns 18. Um, if he hits it out of the park, he'll get five full games before the final start if the Roosters make the finals, which I'm sure they will. Um which should be enough time for him to get used to the routine and the structures and stuff like that before the finals come in. So it's not like they, they need him from round one. And Trent no. Robertson has a has a bit of a, uh, a track record of resting his players over the last six or seven rounds. So he's going to get his opportunity anyway. Why, why rush him? I don't get it. Remember Callan Ponga come in to the North Queensland Cowboys team really, really late in the season? And he, he it just worked straight away from him. Like, it's well, you watched him play and you were like, ooh, this is something different. Um, you could see the same thing with this young bloke. Yeah, that's right. And Ponga made his debut in the finals in 2016. Yeah, it's crazy, hey? Yeah. It's, oh, it's crazy. It, you know, and some players, I mean, they're going to be ready before everyone else. And, like, I think I look at the NBA, you look at LeBron James. LeBron James come out of high school. He was physically ready. He, like, he just was ready. Like, for him to to wait back would have served him. For, there would just no reason for it, you know? Yeah. Some players, they're ready to rock and roll. I think if there's ever a question... And even if it's like, oh, I don't know, physically he looks like he needs to fill out more. I think if there's one question about it, then they're not ready. Because when you see somebody that is ready at a younger age to play the game, you don't question it. Yeah, they just announce themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that was a good end. Was there anything else in that we need to answer? Um, oh, the, the Origin Games. Taking Origin Games elsewhere. Right, I you know, I don't mind taking it around purely because um, you're getting in a different time zone. You're getting 
new fans to the game with any luck. Because the current problem is, okay, you look at the English game, for example, they don't expand the game anywhere, they don't stick with it, and so all they're left doing is constantly, essentially, picking the pockets of the same people all the time. And when those people eventually move on, whose pockets are you going to pick after that? Mm-hmm. And that's where the Super League's finding itself now, is that, you know, they've been picking the same pockets since the 90s and the 80s. Those pockets are starting to run out of coins. <laughs> and that's the problem that you don't want to get in the NRL. Thankfully, that's, that's not going to happen with the way they've got it set up. But if you keep exposing the game to new markets, you can pick a whole heap of different pockets. Your, your game will keep making money. It'll keep working. And hopefully, you start to build a bigger fan base, which can then be the platform for introducing a team elsewhere. Now, I remember hearing somewhere a week or two ago that um, because there's a 17th team coming in in, what was it, two years' time in Brisbane, mm-hmm. that the is now also looking at an 18th team. And the, the initial thought was it was going to be another New Zealand team. But apparently one of the board members from the New Zealand Rugby League said they didn't think it was going to be financially viable for a second New Zealand team. Classic New Zealand Rugby League. Which then means that we are literally back to looking at Perth. Yeah. Who else has got a stronger bid than Perth, if not New Zealand? And so yeah. we need to start building up that audience. And if we can get, um, you know, take Origin over there, take some NRL games over there, try and build up that fan base and that interest in the game, um, then I think that's a good idea. I'd like to see them put a bit more effort into the West Australian Rugby League and try and get a Perth team somehow into one of the New South Wales or Queensland Cup comps. Um, if we can get a team from Fiji in there and a team from PNG, surely a team from Perth is viable. You'd think so, yeah. I, uh... That would be the start to getting um, a pathway for a lot of players into the NRL. So when a, a Perth team comes in, you've got a bunch of players who have got a, some experience in the Sydney comp, and you can bring them in and they can prop up the stars that you get from you know whoever's available at the time. And then you've got some local players mixed in with some some known players from, you know, the NRL elite. And that gets your fans automatically invested because they'll get to see some of their hometown, you know, hometown players. Yeah. That's what you want to have. Yeah, I look, I when it comes to the Origin games, I like it. I really do. I think we've got three games, have one in Sydney, have one in Queensland. And, yeah, I, I, I don't mind the other one moving around at all. Um, it generates a lot of money for the game. It does allow the game to take a high-value product to areas that otherwise wouldn't get rugby league games. Um, and it keeps the game being able to have a national profile, which I think is important. And I do understand where Nadine's come from. I mean... If you're if you're not going to go to Perth and Adelaide, then why are you taking Origin games there? But I think that we need to go to Perth and Adelaide, and so I'm not against it because eventually it's just going to be a case of like, well, they should get a team, you know. So I, I've got no problems with it. Um, on the expansion thing, I didn't hear that the New Zealand Rugby League had said that about an extra expansion team. That's absolutely disgraceful and is well in line with how terribly run New Zealand Rugby League is. Um, 
they should just be taken over by the ARL, I believe. But if it wasn't a New Zealand team, which I reckon you could probably put a New Zealand team in next year and it wouldn't be worse than the Warriors. Um, I think that Adelaide is getting a little bit of momentum over Perth. And it's that's just based on like people talking about it a little bit more. And I guess with the time difference, they're only half an hour different from the east coast of Australia. So it's probably not as a as a big leap for broadcasters. So, you know, we might see Adelaide get a little bit more favouritism from broadcasters, but I think Perth, you know, they, if, um, we should have had a Perth team for 10 years at least now. Oh, easy, easy. Um, if Adelaide comes back in, should they be called the Rams again? I would do, I would look at the Adelaide market and I would say, I would say if you, I, I would do a lot of work on it and I would say like, if you had a rugby league team, what would you want to call them? That would be my first question. My second question would be, do you think we should bring back the Rams? And I have a feeling they would be called the Adelaide Rams, weirdly enough. But there's something about that name that has stuck and resonated. Like the Western Reds or the Perth Reds, that did, that name's kind of didn't stick. You know what I mean? Yeah, look, and something about is, Adelaide Rams sticks. It's weird. The thing is, I, I like what Perth were trying to do. The problem is their, their mascot was the same one for the test side. Yeah. That was their problem. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can find something else. Quackers. Quackers. That's, I think that's first and foremost. Yeah. Um, then you look at something that's unique to the area, so maybe the Perth FIFOs. <laughs> Uh, what I don't, I don't know what else I've got there. Fremantle Doctors. <laughs> That'd be good. Everyone just turns up wearing a white coat and stethoscope <laughs> to games. Seriously, what, like, I think... That'd so be the most got... intelligent fan, yeah, fan base there is. They've all got PhDs. <laughs> They've all got PhDs. Um, <laughs> what else is there, Perth? They, I, think, I believe there are swans in Perth. Like uh, uh, swans are bad. I just uh, don't like swans. Nah, swans are stupid. Yeah. Well, you know, you want your mascot for for a team to be something that's somewhat vicious. Yeah, not something that geese. might be a oh, yeah geese. Like, geese are cunts. Goose nuts. Yeah, yeah, they they are psycho. I just think the idea of like Perth Quackers, right? It's going to appeal to kids, but then you've got that whole thing of like. You could make these the mascot be the meanest looking quacker ever, but it's still going to be stupidly adorable. Exactly, <laughs> and I I just think the joke of that would be so so cool. I I don't know. There's something about that that really does it for me. This idea of like you got this quacker like in a footy jersey, and maybe it's you know got a headgear on or something, but it's so damn adorable. It would be so cute, but at the same time, it's just got blood on its hands. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? The the Houston Rockets have a mascot that's actually a, a giant teddy bear. He's called Clutch Bear, right? And he he is just this big, cute bear. But he's got this weird personality. So, like, he will throw cakes at people and stuff like that. But he's got this big, 
cute Betty, teddy bear face. And there's something about it that is just so awesome. This idea that you've got this mascot that just can't help be cute. You That's know, brilliant. it's been rotten. That's brilliant. Mm. Uh, so is, is that it? We've covered everything? Yeah, that's all of the emails we've got. And now we can move on to the statistic that you worked on today. Yeah, I was just mucking around with something. I thought, I wonder if what Parramatta needed all along was just stability in the halves. Because mm-hmm. I know I've talked an awful lot about Moses this year could very well become the first player at Parramatta to play 100 games at halfback since Peter Sterling, which is a, that's a crazy stat. Yeah. Um, so what I thought I'd look at is what Parramatta's win percentage was like when Peter Sterling played at halfback and what it was like when he was at the club but wasn't at halfback, then when he retired, between that period when he retired and when Moses turned up at the club, and then the same data for Sterling again for Moses. <laughs> so... With Sterling at halfback, there was 221 games. They won 63.35% of them. Mm-hmm. When he didn't play at halfback, so this could be in other positions or not playing at all, they've had 150 games and won 41%. That's Massive. a 22% drop. Yeah. In the period when after Sterling retired and before Moses arrived, there were 622 games and they won just 46%. That's when they were just churning through halfbacks. Mm-hmm. From uh, so Moses at halfback has won fifty three point six six percent of his games for Parramatta. That's from eighty two games, and he's only had there's only been six games that Parramatta's played where Moses didn't play at halfback, and they've won half of those. So we're seeing here that what Parramatta needs to be successful long term is to have stability at halfback. Yeah. They had it for that whole period when Sterling was there throughout the 80s and they won, what, five titles or four titles, something in that period. And then they were basically average for the majority of their period after he retired up until when Moses arrived. And they've been in the finals somewhat regularly and they're still considered one of the top sides in the comp now. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's because Moses is great at what he does. I think it, it's because he provides he's provided them with stability there. Yeah. And so you can work with stability at halfback. But when you don't have a stable half, you're Parramatta from 1993 to 2016. <laughs> yeah, and, and literally, like, I mean, we've I think we had an episode where we talked about, was there something like 23 or something, some ridiculous number of halfbacks that they'd had mm. in that time when we started trying to name them. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> we're idiots like that. <laughs> it was a it was a bad list. Yeah, it wasn't a good list. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, the interesting thing about the stat when Sterling was there, but then when he was still there but didn't play, it shows how when you've got a a truly great player, how much you start to rely on them, and then when they're not there, um how much you miss them. You know, we've seen that stat with mm. players like Andrew Johns was another one where his the the Knights were just nothing without him. Um and obviously the sample size with Moses is pretty low when he's not there because he plays a lot of games, which is absolutely amazing for yeah. the Eels that he gets through so many games. He very rarely misses games. Um 
but it's it's interesting that they don't fall off a cliff too. Yeah. Um, so I, it'd be interesting. To I'll, I'll see if I can run this with a few other clubs where they've had a you know an absolute star heart back in the past mm. and they've struggled for a while, mm-hmm. and just see how I compare. See if it's see if it's a, a competition wide thing or if it's just something that's exclusive to Parramatta. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm just trying it. Like Andrew Johns is a great example. I guess Ricky Stewart would be another one. Yeah. Uh, Alan Langer, although, I mean, how many games did Alan Langer ever miss? Very few. Yeah, not a huge amount. Yeah. Um, and I, like, if I guess you could, like, you could obviously expand it to every position, but if you went to playmakers, you could look at a Lockyer, a Fitler, you know, players like that. Yeah be interesting but there's some homework for me to do yeah that if you could just get those six hours worth of statistics sorted out for next episode that'd be great no worries i'm on it boss fantastic i'm yeah, not I, the boss nadine's the boss I, i've got a trivia question for you okay yeah, if you follow my twitter account you'd know the answer oh shit <laughs> from a while ago anyway oh, okay <laughs> how many players from par you know from the Parramatta eels have been born after they won their last premiership. This uh, is oh, this is of all their players. Have been born after their last premiership. Yeah. Um So obviously this is all their players from nineteen eighty seven onwards. Obviously no none of them from eighty seven because it would have been one, but you know. Yeah, like, hang on. Like in their current team. No, no, just in their entire history, how many players have been oh, born who have played for Parramatta okay. at least once that I have been that. born after they won their last premiership? Man, oh, jeez. Uh, I am going to say I'm going to go for a really high number, right? Mm. I'm going to say 227. Yeah, that's a pretty high number. Okay. Yeah. What is it? 90. 90? 90. Ah, it's way lower than I expected. Yeah, that includes the handful of players that have signed this year as well. Okay. It's, uh, it's a pretty crazy number when you think about it. Yeah, since their last premiership. Because, I mean, that's from basically players, I think, from 2006 onwards. Yeah, I guess, I, I see, I was... I guess the thing that got me is I was pushing that number a bit lower. Like, I was thinking more 2,000 maybe. Yeah. But yeah, that doesn't work out, does it? No. <clears throat> so it's uh, there's some interesting names on there, just like there was with the Parramatta halfbacks list. Yeah. So that's something for, for people to go and trawl through my tweets to try and find. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, People would be shocked if they heard some of our conversations at night where we have come up with the most obscure things. Like, I wonder if a player has played for, like, you know, this team and in this position and, like, kicked a goal. It's like we can come up with some really crazy stats. And you look, you find them. I find it amazing where we'll be talking about something and he'll be like, I've got that stat now. Like, yes. mid-sentence. Yes. I, I don't mind doing that. That's uh, chasing stats. I think is is uh, 
some of them I find a bit of joy because you you can get a sort of pretty immediate response and it leads to so much more conversation. Yeah. So that's always good. Um, we have been talking about doing a history episode, so we might, we might churn out one of those soon. Um, we've also got something big coming up soon as well, another big episode. Mm-hmm. So that's this week. So uh, get your ears ready. You're gonna you're gonna be copping it from us for <laughs> quite a fair bit from now on in because the footy season's starting very very soon. Yeah, we know what you're waiting for, and we're gonna give it to you. Oh yeah. So uh, I think that pretty much sums up this this episode. We're we're all done. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, thank you for all of the emails. Please, please feel free to send emails to us. Just go to fergoandthefreak.com. Go to the contact section and send us an email. Easy as that. Um, huge thanks to our sponsors, Manscaped, as always. Uh, make sure you go to manscaped.com. Um, buy anything you like there. Use our code NRL. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. Um, so, you know, get in there. Buy some gear and shave your balls. It's all yeah. good. Yeah, it, it'll make your life way better. And, you know, it also shows Manscaped that you appreciate their love that they have given to our, our podcast. Exactly. Yeah, it works each works every way. Everyone mm-hmm. wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, MySpace. Uh, so yeah, check us out on all of those. Um, our website, fergunfreak.com. As you've already said, obviously. Yep. And <laughs> you've got a website too, don't you? Uh, RugbyLeagueProject.org. Yes. Yes. I've heard of that one. Yes, and you've got one, haven't you? I do. It's got a weird name though. It's called ah. LeagueFreak.com. Okay, and you've got another one, haven't you? I do. This could go on for a while. <laughs> Strap in. Rugby League Podcast Network.com. It's actually yeah. really good. If you're into podcasts, and we know you are because you're listening, um, it has all of the best independent rugby league podcasts all in one place. So check it out. Absolutely. And um, you've got some homework to do apparently on your website. Couldn't one of yes. those emails. I've got to get some information up on my, my, pod, uh, my website. There you so go. I'm, think, I'm thinking of doing a whole website redesign, hey? Oh. Mm. Do you need a new URL? No. I actually had to pay, how much was it? <laughs> I had to pay 30 US dollars for two URLs that I think I bought two years ago <laughs> when we were talking about doing a big, big, big project. And I had to pay for them today. Like, oh, whoops. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we need to get our, our um, accountant onto those. Yes. Sort those matters out. Mm. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you all next time.